What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode three. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Anthony DeMarco going to join us Tuesday edition. We're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday this week. Now we're going to go to three days a week. A little under the weather, obviously, last week, but feeling much better. I'm told I look a little better, too, which is always a good thing when you're on camera. But anyway, um, tons to get into on this episode. We're going to actually debate if the Flyers are in a rebuild. Hmm. We'll present an interesting case. Uh, let me tell you about Bet Parks real quick. Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. It is now live, and you can take it from me, take it from everybody that's using it. Bet Parks apps everything you want in a mobile casino and sportsbook, and it's right in the palm of your hand. Easy to use, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. Easy to sign up. So check it out. If you don't have it, download it. Go to the App Store. If you do have it, open it and start getting ready for hockey action to get your action in on. You already got football, college, and pro. You got the baseball playoffs, which is fantastic stuff. Player performances, same game parlays, live in-game betting, and everything else. College and pro hoops on the way and tons to get your action in on. And right now, all Bet Parks users can use the promo code Jason750 and get a $750 risk-free bet just for using that promo code. So again, use the promo code Jason750. New and existing users, terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, uh, our other sponsor, the great people at Conquerville Subaru, where I bought my first car and I've bought many since. Why do I keep going back? Well, it's simple because yeah, they took care of me. They've always taken care of me. Conquerville cares. It's not just some saying. It's uh, the work that they do have done with customers and in the community for a very, very long time. They're the first Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer of the event winner back in 2015. They've got eight years supporting Nemours Children's Hospital of Delaware. They've adopted 15 classrooms in the Marcus Hook Elementary School. This year, allowing teachers to pick $500 worth of classroom supplies each. They determine what they use the money for. Plus, they continue with the donation of thousands of coats to La Comunidad Hispania in Kenneth Square for over the last 10 years. And that also continues to this day. So now's a great time to visit their beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Check it out. Check out the certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. It is Conquerville Subaru. It's more than just a dealership. It's also a great service center where you get a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com online and check out the showroom again on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Conquerville cares. Let's bring him in right now from north of the border, from the fourth period. It is Anthony DeMarco. What's going on, Ant? Not too much, man. Glad to see that you're feeling better. You looked like shit last week, but oh, uh, you got rough. through it just the same. My daughter, one youngest daughter has it now, wife. It's just going through the house. It's, it's not COVID we tested, but it's just one of those things. It's fall. The weather changed. Like the weather changed down here, dude. Like that. It was one day it was 90 and then the next day it was 47 and, and blustery. Yeah, it really changed hard this year. Even up here, like, I mean, now we're getting like frost warnings. Like obviously wow. we deal in Celsius, but it was like it was summer one day and now it's just like straight to November. Like it completely skipped over like September to late October. Wow. It's just like it, you could feel winter in the air already, which like I'm not super against winter, but I'm a fall guy. And I like to kind of yeah. get that good sweater weather before we jump right into the bullshit of snow and all that. Yeah, I'm not opposed to winter either. I love it, but I'd love fall to last four months instead of two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like my favorite day of the year is the first day the lows go into the 40s for sleeping purposes. But anyway. Yeah, it's the best. Um, one of the things I want to talk about in this episode, Ant, uh, we're obviously going to talk about you know Cam York and talk about the roster. There were some paper transactions. Ryan Ellis went on LTIR. But 
you know, the notion of a rebuild. And I said this on my Flyers Daily podcast that, you know, the notion of rebuilding sports, this isn't your dad's or my dad's rebuild. It's not somebody sent me a, t- a, a tweet and put it this way. And I thought it was awesome because everybody can associate with it. You know, when when you go down the shore to Ocean City, An- Anthony said, uh, Spunky at 41182 said, well put episode of Flyers Daily. Couldn't have said any better. It's definitely not what I would call an Ocean City, New Jersey rebuild, which if you've seen is where a house that's 20, 30 or 50 years old is completely torn down and replaced by a more modern one. That's not this rebuild. But I think the Flyers are in a rebuild. Yeah, I heard your show yesterday, and I think that they are in uh, some form of a rebuild. Like, I mean, it, it's subjective, right, the actual terminology, but then you kind of get into a debate of semantics, right? Because a lot of people would say, oh, it's only a rebuild if you're doing it Ottawa or Arizona style, where you got everything on your roster and you tear it down to the studs. But then you also have kind of like a rebuild, the Los Angeles King style, where you clear out some of the older contracts, but you hang on to the likes of Ange Kopitar. You hang on to the likes of Drew Doughty. You hang on to the likes of, of uh, Jonathan Quick. And I think that's where the Flyers are more in. Now, obviously, I think that LA kind of did that more by design as opposed to the Flyers. And we talked about this, like the messaging. I think that somewhere along the lines between April and June, they pivoted on their plan. And I think that's where there was a lot of a mi- like a mixed signals in terms of the me- messaging and all that. But whatever you want to like define it as, it is kind of a rebuild. Like if you want to say a retool or whatever, they are on the fly here seeing what they got. And I mean, do I think that it would have been better if they would have torn it down to the studs? I mean, maybe they could have gone a bit farther. Like maybe you could have seen what the market could engage for uh, a Travis Konechny or Ivan Provorov or a Sanheim, but at the same time, and as I wrote in my article yesterday, I think the Flyers quickly realized that the market wasn't where it needed to be to part with those guys. That if you move Travis Konechny or Ivan Provorov for what their value was worth over the summer, it would have maybe been compared to maybe not pennies on the dollar, but not as much as where they thought it needed to be. And if you're going towards a rebuild, you really want to maximize the value of your assets. So look, you could complain about some of the details along the way, but ultimately it is kind of a rebuild, even if you maybe disagree with the exact terminology on what a rebuild is. Yeah. I mean, I think we all got hung up on the term aggressive retool from that press conference back in January of last year. I mean, that's a long time ago, January of last year. And obviously things change. Like in any business, things change. You go, okay, we're, having a great year or we're not having a great year in January. But then by the time you get to, uh, you know, June or or July, your business can be in a far different position. And I think that was the term at that time. And maybe that was the, the distinct plan at that time. But based on the things that John Tortorella has said, and I think we all know Torts is a guy that has a hard time masking his true feelings and the more he talks, the, you'll get to his true feelings. Sometimes there's messaging for a purpose. Absolutely. And I've said all along through this, don't pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. And really, ever since the end of the season, all of the the things, the messages by what they're doing indicate that they're in some form of a rebuild. Now, I was, I'm, I'm an anti-scorched earth rebuild guy because, and especially in their situation, 
because of some of the contracts that they have. I just don't think that you could tear it all the way down. That would be trading Kevin Hayes. That would be trading Sean Couturier. That, and, and those assets are depreciated because of injuries last year. Or whether that is Konechny and Provorov, which is depreciated because of production. And that may change. So this is a rebuild because Torts is, is clearly saying, he, when he said talked about Cam York going down at, and he said, we need the player not to be a good player, to be, but to be a major contributor when this team is ready to win. He said, I don't know when that is, but that's what he needs to be. And that's what sending him down is a path towards, towards a path of when they're ready to win. And, and I think that that's a big indication of a rebuild. And it is. And I agree because let's be real. There, there are some guys on this roster that I think that have good NHL ceilings. Like obviously Noah Cates is the big standout. You look at a guy like Owen Tippett, who I think if he could find consistency in the way he puts the puck in the net, maybe could be a top six uh, winger eventually. Uh, Wade Allison, I think could maybe get into that, but maybe more of a third liner, but let's be real, Jay. Are any of the prospects on the roster as of today guys who are going to be difference makers in the NHL? I think all of their – and look, there's not a lot of difference makers in the Flyers system. I think they have some good prospects but few difference makers. They don't have any elite talent. But guys like Forster, guys like Cam York, guys like Cutter Gauthier, maybe to an extent Igor Zamula – these are all guys who are the more are the guys with the higher ceilings. These are the guys who have the potential to be top four, top six, maybe top line players in the NHL. And these are kind of your aces in the hole. I think that if you talk to us maybe 10 months from now, we will have another ace in the hole with another top five to 10 pick added into their system from the 2023 draft. But this season isn't about, you know, icing the roster with the most potential it's about icing the roster that is going to translate into the best work ethic the best culture and as i wrote in my piece yesterday it's about getting back to basics this season it's really about getting back to like the meat and potatoes of the game a good work ethic it's almost like you're coaching a bantam team that's just trying to find out who they are. And we don't even know who the Flyers are. But I believe John Tortorella said that yesterday, where they don't even know who they are yet. And I think for a guy like Cam York, who is a, t- a prospect and a young player in this system that I think can easily be a difference maker in the NHL one day, and obviously, again, difference maker, the definition of that is um, subjective. But when I say difference maker, I mean like a top four or top six NHL player, like not someone kind of just as a fill-in guy. I think that we are really going to see um, a lot of patience with the Flyers. And I think that is what they need to be prudent with this season is being patient and developing the guys who do have those higher ceilings uh, with um, with a lot of, I guess, uh, of a patience. That's kind of the word that we're going with. Yeah, I mean, the latest thing John Tortorella said was this. He sat down with John Clark from NBC Sports Philly, Johnny Sunshine, one of my favorites. And here's what he said to John Clark, this clip. I used it in Flyers Daily as well. Here you go. Building a foundation. So when you do build, you're not knee-jerk and back and forth as far as what your team is. And that takes time. And and I know there's uh, been a, you know, Johnny Gaudreau. Everybody's pissed off. We didn't bring in Johnny Gaudreau. I am, Johnny Gaudreau is a hell of a player. It was not time to bring in a player like that. 
we have so many other things we need to do prior to picking those key free agents uh, that may put you over the top. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's just the way I feel. So when you're trying to... So talking about Gaudreau and talking about the time to do something like that, you see it right there that now is not the right time. They got a lot of things to figure out before they get to the stage of adding a player like that. It's kind of what I contended all along, that they were were not in position to do that and and have it make the most sense for the long term. But again, what he said to, to me just speaks, this is a rebuild. And what Torts has done in his other stops, both in Tampa with the Rangers and with Columbus, was do exactly he took over teams very similar to this Flyers team. Now a new coach doesn't take over when a team's good and get handed a good, really great roster. That happens very rarely. But he took over teams that were in a position to go through a year of finding out what they have, who's part of the solution, who's part of the problem, who fits, who doesn't, and then build it for sustainable success. And that's exactly what I think he's trying to do here. Of course. And look, I think that if circumstances were different, like let's say JVR's contract was signed for four years instead of five. Maybe Johnny Gaudreau is a flyer. Maybe if they had more clarity on Ryan Ellis three months ago that we knew that he wouldn't play this season and he may never play again, maybe Johnny Gaudreau would be a flyer. But in the context of what happened in July, it didn't really make sense for Johnny Gaudreau to be a flyer. Because for me to trade a 2023 first-round pick to get rid of John uh, James Van Riemsdyk just to sign Johnny Gaudreau, to, I mean, uh, let's say even they become a playoff team. I don't think they would be with Johnny Gaudreau, but let's just say they become a playoff team with Johnny Gaudreau. You're still sacrificing a first-round pick for a, just for short-term, I guess, success, if you will. And maybe I'm partial just because I've been saying they needed to go into a rebuilding direction for 18 months now. I've said that pretty much since the bubble that I thought that when you couldn't win with that core then, then it was pretty much going to burst. But I think a lot of people have wanted them to go in this direction for a while. And look, people were openly mocking the aggressive retool statement. They were Mm -hmm. openly mocking Fletcher and Dave Scott when they were talking about how they were going to get this team back on a contending path in time for 2022-2023. And you know what? With good reason. I myself find it, I found it kind of asinine that I'm just like, how could you objectively look at this roster, especially when we started hearing about all this stuff about the uncertainty surrounding Ryan Ellis? So take out Ryan Ellis. How could you have objectively looked at this roster, the assets you had to work with, some of the inflated contracts still on your books, and say, yeah, we could do, we could turn this around in time for October of this year? It wasn't possible. And yeah. And But I think that so many people are so fed up that they did the complete opposite of what people were mocking, and now people are still mocking them. And, and I get it because I do understand the last three of the four years have been a disaster. The last decade has been underwhelming. Chuck Fletcher was really poor in the way that he you know, um, spoke and communicated with the public as to where this team was heading, and I get all that. And the criticism on that front is well-founded. But in terms of the actual destination and result of the offseason, I can't be upset with it because I think that it was the best case scenario because I don't think that there was any way that you could have responsibly, because that's a big thing here, is that 
If you really wanted to piss away all your assets, all your prospects, you traded Forster, you traded York, you traded first-round picks, all that, yeah, you probably could have made this a half-decent team, but that's not responsible. There was no way that you were going to put a good team on the ice in a responsible fashion for this season. Yeah, that's well said. I totally agree. And the thing is, is this too, is, you know, a lot of people go, it, the coach and the front office aren't on the same page. And I go, okay, let me, let me think about that for a second. And I thought about this the other night because I had a guy DM me and said, the coach and the front office aren't on the same page. There's no way Nick Delaria would be here, but or there's no way, you know, he, he cited some other examples. And I said to him, I said, first of all, I believe Nick Delaria is here because of the coach. And if you were to tell me, like the conversations when they were talking with head coach candidates, a big part of those conversations is, and when you're, you know, talking about a next candidate to coach your team is, where do you see us next year, three years, five years? What is your plan? What do you think we should do? What's the direction we should take as a team? And when you hire that coach, you're obviously on the same page with the plan because you're not going to hire a coach that goes, I think we can be good in five years and you, and you're the GM going, I think we're going to be good in two, you know, or something like that. So they have to be on the same page in that regard. And by the way, I think Delaria is the reason, the reason he's here is Tortorella wanted him. There's no way they signed Delaria to that contract. And if Tortorella is not going, yeah, I want him. Did they want to go four years? No, but the coach made it clear. He wanted the player. So I, I think that's part of it. And the other thing is, you know, Torts and the front office being on the same page. Again, it's not about what they've said. It's about what they've done. And to me, they've pretty much kind of alluded to the fact that, yeah, they're on the same page. People will point to D'Angelo, but you can't go into the season again without a top pairing right side defenseman. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to stick Ristolainen in there knowing he can't play that? Uh, you know, you look, you can look at the extension of Ristolainen and go, okay, that doesn't make sense or, yeah. A re, some sort of a rebuild, but I don't think it was determined at that time yeah. that this was the direction. Yeah. And how they handle Travis Sandheim is going to be fascinating because he is in a, you know, heading into his UFA contract uh, period after the end of this season. So all of those things are are part of the equation. To me, this screams rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And look, they're, they're not going to be a team this year that's going to go out there and wow you but they are going to be a team that we have to see elements of culture and standard, you know, resurface. I, I know that Bundy put out there that the Flyers should resign uh, Wayne Simmons because of the leadership. And I, I disagree with Bundy wholeheartedly. I think that, and I love Simmer. I love him. He was a great guy to cover. He's a great man. He was a great hockey player and personified the city. It makes less than fucking zero sense to sign Wayne Simmons. You can't sit there and say, play the kids, play the kids, and we got to see what we have. Go get a nostalgia trip and get Wayne Simmons. That makes <laughs> no sense. None. Well, look, I, I reported yesterday that they were, they were considering Simmons and Foligno. Now, I think a lot of people took that as that they're going to do it, but I think that they were considering it. They talked about it. Yeah, sure. Like it was something that they discussed. They decided to go elsewhere. I I do think that Foligno would make a bit more sense. And ultimately, I don't think either guy really makes sense. 
but I think that Foligno maybe is a better player at this point. Again, it's not kind of like a retread, like you're not going back to blast from the past type of thing. So, but ultimately, I just think that they don't need a player like that. And in terms of Nick Delorier, I think he's here because you want a guy who's going to give you toughness. You want a guy who's going to give you effort. You want a guy who's going to drag his other teammates into the fight. But you also want a guy who could play a regular shift. And I love Zach McEwen. And personally, I, I find it kind of stupid that we have Zach McEwen in the AHL and Hayden Hodgson in the NHL. That's just my opinion. I'm sure at the end of the day, especially once Atkinson comes back and Hodgson's probably your 13th forward, it probably will prove to be inconsequential. But I would rather just have Zach McEwen here because he is well-liked in the room. But if we're being honest, Zach McEwen is a 13th forward at best in the NHL. I think that if you put him with two fourth liners, let's say when the Flyers had Taylor Lear with Lawton and Raffle back in the day, I think if you have two good fourth liners like Raffle and Lawton, you could play Zach McEwen on a regular shift. But with where the Flyers are at right now, when you already have Deloria, he's probably a fringe NHLer. Deloria can play a regular shift. Deloria isn't going to be a defensive liability. Nick Deloria is able to give you work on the PK. So I don't really get why people think that he's like this scrub that the GM just brought in, even though the, the coach didn't want him here. And the other part this is, and you brought up a good point about Rosmus Ristolainen, and he's a good microcosm of probably like the issue, the biggest issue I've had with Chuck Fletcher, because at the time when your plan was to be back on a contending track or be a competitive team or a playoff team, it made sense because he worked well with Sandheim, you know, five by five for a second pair right shot defenseman who's in his mid, in his like mid to late twenties is par for the course. But because that now you're rebuilding, for lack of better words, as we discussed, would it have made more sense to just go recoup those assets you gave up for um, 14 months ago and sign Ilya Labushkin or Jan Ruda in free agency? Probably. And that's the biggest issue I've had with management is that if you break down Fletcher's moves one by one by one by one, there's few and far between that you could outright say is bad or awful. They're mostly decent to good. But when you cut... Combine them all together and look at it on a macro scale, it kind of just outlines a lot of misdirection and pivoting and that where we see the lack of message come into it. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the the coach and the and I know there's a lot to unpack here, but the thing about the coach and the GM not being on the same page, obviously there's reports that that was not Fletcher's hire. I was told that not to be the case. I mean, I'm sure you were told other stuff. So I'm sure the truth sometime somewhere is in the middle in all of this. But I think that it is maybe a bit out there to say, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, like maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I can't in my head see a scenario where Chuck Fletcher was adamant about not wanting this guy. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And, and the other part of that too is, you know, I think that one of the flaws here is that they didn't recognize they were taking on as much water as they were. So they have that 1920 season in AV's first year. They're great up until the pause. They went around to the playoffs. They go seven against the Islanders, albeit seven ugly games. And then they come back the next year, no Niskanen, no replacement for Niskanen, Eric Gustafson. The wheels fall off the wagon in grandiose fashion. So they're wondering, they're going, okay, are we that team that 
was in 1920 and we're just missing a piece or two. And they go out and they make some of those moves. They trade Voracek, they trade Ghost, they, all of those things. Or are we the team? Or are we the team we were this past year, where things fell off and we dealt with COVID and bubbles, or not bubbles, but no fans and all that? So they tried to recapture what they were in 1920, and then we saw last year that didn't work. They couldn't recapture it. They weren't that team. A lot of which due to injuries. Yeah, a lot of which due to injuries. So, you know, you almost go. You know, you understand a little bit why they tried to pivot last year with some key, you know, player for player trades like Voracek for Atkinson and those kind of things, but it ended up not working. And then the realization this offseason is that, okay, we do need to do some form of a rebuild. And that's where they are right now. And, you know, the Ryan Ellis situation obviously plays a huge role in this and he's not available. And, you know, obviously his career is in massive jeopardy. He was put on LTIR today. Uh, they did have some paper transactions. They added Ellis to the LTIR list, recalled three players from Lehigh Valley who were sent down uh, initially. They recalled Allison, Lazinski, and Zamula uh, back up. So I don't know if Zamula is going to be the 7th D or, or Sealer is going to be the 7th D. Uh, but Allison and Lazinski have been called back up. So you have those guys. Jackson Cates was sent down yesterday. Um, and it looks like Noah Cates is going to play in the middle, which is going to allow Lawton to go back to the wing. So, you know, you have all these situations and it's it's all playing out. But, you know, I got this DM from a guy. Aunt, and, and one of the things I said in Flyers Daily today was, you know, take what you can out of this season. Uh, find the positives in it. You know, it's pro sports are a results oriented business and it is about winning, but there's a path to winning, too. And you got to find the positives and you got to see if this team does play hard and does start to do things from a, a cultural and standard standpoint to a much higher level because it eroded. There's no question about that. Um, but you got to you got to take it out. And, and look, we have all different opinions on rebuilding what should be done or additions and playing time and roles and should this guy be benched and standards and all that and cam york being sent down even though he didn't earn the spot on the roster and playing the kids or playing that all those things and we're going to debate them and we're going to argue and sometimes it's going to get heated but let's not have a civil war of fandom you know let's all know that we all want them to head to the right same place so i got this dm from this guy matt conran i'll put his fucking name out there i don't give a shit <laughs> um, as you know, um, and he sent me this DM yesterday and just said, Scott Lawton is a fourth line player. That's embarrassing. He said he's a fourth line player. He's going to be playing on the first line. This is going to be one of the worst teams in the history of the sport. Can't wait until Bedard is a flyer. And this guy's like always just like these definitive statements. And then he sent me this DM today, earlier today at 1156. And he said, and if you ever see Ryan Ellis, tell him he's an embarrassment to the city. Philly is supposed to be a tough, hard nosed city. And this guy is scared to play through a little pain. What a joke. In hockey one, everyone is banged up. Man the fuck up. The bullies would be so disappointed in this guy's softness just stealing money. So here's my response to Matt Conran. I said, you have less than zero clue about what the dude is dealing with injury-wise. Go the fuck away, you insensitive prick. The guy is a very serious issues as a result of the injury. And we have heard varying reports that his day-to-day -day life is being profoundly affected by what he's dealing with, both physically and I'm sure by proxy and mentally for a guy 
That is a tough son of a bitch, Ryan Ellis. Yeah. If you've ever watched the way that guy plays the game, if you think that he's just being soft and doesn't want to play, then you never watch the guy play. And you don't have any idea what his character makeup is. And it fucking blows that this guy is not going to play here in a city where I think he'd fit like a glove from a toughness standpoint. But to sit there and say, tell him he's an embarrassment. I, like, I want to jump through my Twitter DMs and punch Matt Conrad in the side of the head. Like, that's the biggest fucking prick pussy thing to say that I've ever heard. Well, especially in a current climate where we talk about how hockey culture needs to change. I mean, on, on there's many different avenues you could go down with that, but one of which being the whole putting your physical and mental health on the back burner just to try and man the fuck up. You know, that's yeah. something that we've kind of talked about being stupid. But I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a dumb comment. On, on so many fronts, like you, you could dissect that comment and give a seminar on why this guy's an absolute imbecile, but we won't even go there. Just an asinine comment across the board. But I think that it just goes to show that a lot of people won't be happy because, yeah, is this a good roster? No. Should Scott Lawton be on an NHL first line? No. I mean, calling him a fourth liner is dumb. Like he's a perennial, like 30 to 40 point guy. That's not fourth line production. But I think that it just goes to show here that, and someone commented on our uh, one of our Twitter uh, uh, posts here, uh, Jared, who he said the Flyers are finally like icing a youth-ridden roster, and it's the most miserable people have ever been. And this yeah. is the same crop of people who were bitching when Nate Thompson was here, when Derek Grant was here, when Keith Yandel was here, when Jones was the backup, and now we finally see a roster. And the Flyers doing something different. And that was something I think that was kind of bothering me a bit is that besides Chuck Fletcher's first year where I liked that he added real NHL talent, it seemed like the Flyers just kept going back to the well with like, okay, we're going to go with Giroux Voracek and friends, Giroux Voracek and Katoria and friends. It was just always that repetition, especially in 2020, 2021, where they tried it again. And now they're doing something different and people are like more upset than ever. And because the roster's bad. But the thing is, is that, you know, everyone wants a rebuild, like a full scorched earth. Like they wanted like a Coyotes, Ottawa Sanders-esque rebuild. And the Flyers didn't even do half of that. And people are so upset about what the roster is. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't think people really understand what a true rebuild entails. And I don't think what you it's understand. like to live through. <laughs> well, yeah, go ask Pittsburgh and Boston and Chicago fans in the early 2000s how hockey was over there. It was brutal. And that's why so many owners are hesitant to do so. Like, go ask the Vancouver Canucks with Francesco Aquilini as their owner. I mean, they've wanted to rebuild since the end of the Mike Gillis era. And you've gone through now two management overhauls and they're still trying to compete. You know, everyone thought it was going to be different with Jim Rutherford. There are a lot of owners that just will not entertain that level of a rebuild because of how dangerous and how risky it is. Because it isn't a, a grand slam that you come out better on the other side. Like, look Buffalo. at the Flyers. You look at Buffalo. You look at even, look at what Hextall did. And that wasn't even a full scorched earth rebuild. It was kind of like a lighter version of what Chuck Fletcher is doing now. They didn't come out better. Like, are the Flyers better than they were in 2013-14? No. 
Exactly. So anytime you do something where you're sacrificing the immediate product to try and bank on draft and developing, there's an inherent risk involved. And the more deeper you go into that pool, the riskier it gets. Like I, I interviewed Bill Armstrong on Friday and I'm going to have a piece out this week previewing the Coyotes. And I really like what Bill Armstrong is doing with the Coyotes down there. I think it's the first executive they've had since probably Don Maloney, who knows what the fuck's going on over there. Yeah. But the thing is, is like even what Bill Armstrong is doing down there, there is an inherent risk with trying to trade a Jacob Chikrin. There's an inherent risk with putting all your eggs in the basket of young players like Logan Cooley and Connor Geeky and all this. There's an inherent risk of wasting away the prime years of still good young players of Clayton Keller and Barrett Hayton, but that's the path they're choosing. But it's not great hockey there. So I think that a lot of people who are so mad right now are the same ones who were mad last season when they were playing older veterans like Broussard and Thompson and Yandel. And it just goes to show that a lot of people don't grasp about how tough a retool or a rebuild could actually be if you want to do it right. Yeah, it it is. You know, you look at it and I mean, you can go, well, those teams didn't draft right. Well, Buffalo drafted some pretty good players. Rasmus Dahlin, Jack Eichel, and it still didn't work. So, I mean, look, Deline's still there. Owen Power is going to be a big part of it there. And you look at Eichel, he's gone. And we'll see where it goes. I mean, they're, they, they have Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie as their goaltending duo. You know, I mean, I look at that and I go, okay, good luck. <laughs> They're still at risk. I like their forwards a lot, but even their defense. Like, I think Power is going to be a stud. I like Dahlin. But after that, there's not really a right shot defenseman there. Your goaltending, I know they have the kid uh, Uko Pekka Lukanen, but I think mm-hmm. he was drafted five years ago now. And I know development isn't always linear, especially with goaltenders, but there still is a risk involved. Like, anytime you do a rebuild to this magnitude, like, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs under the Brian Burke era. Like, they literally had to restart. They had mm-hmm. to restart their rebuild. Now, Obviously, the Heat traded two first-round picks that would have been Dougie Hamilton and Tyler Sagan for Phil Kessel. Obviously, that would have changed. Yep. But anytime you try and do an overhaul to this magnitude, there, there's a big risk. Like Montreal in my hometown right now, what Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes are doing, there's a risk in what they're doing. There's a mm-hmm. risk with you taking Uri Slakowski number one overall. Like There's always a risk involved. But people who want to, let's say... Even like if you wanted to say like, okay, well, we should have gone 10 times farther in it. We should trade Konechny. We should trade Lawton. We should trade Profile. We should, should have traded Sanheim. Okay, fine. But then people would be bitching that Owen Tippett was on your top line. People would be yeah. bitching that, you know, Sanheim and Ristolainen were on your top pair. Like you can't have it both ways. You either want to look, when you try and have it both ways, like Ron Hextall, that's when you run into big fucking problems. Yeah. When, yeah. If you want, if you really want to do this right, which is a lot of people said was Hextall's biggest thing is that you wanted to have your cake and eat it too. You wanted to look to the future, but you wanted to hoard all your most valuable assets in Simmons, Giroux, and Voracek. Imagine if the Flyers had tried to do that now and we just end up in another Hextall point. Yep. And you're basically just walking on a treadmill. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, which is what the Flyers have done for the better part of a decade. And they're trying to do something different. Like the Flyers, for the more more or less, always had star power because they've always had Giroux and Voracek and the later years, Sean Couturier. 
So they always had that to fall back on and drag them away from being at the bottom, which was fair criticism, even from me, where you were just always mm-hmm. in that purgatory. They still maybe are not as bad as they should be if they want to rebuild, but they don't have that star power anymore. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I think that it's just hard for a lot of fans to accept because it's something that's never been done before. But it's probably something that is for the best if you really want. And it's the same people who want Bedard, right? Like people are mad about how bad they are, and but then like are talking about how they want Bedard so bad. Yeah. Well, if you had Johnny Gaudreau, you probably weren't going to be in a position to get Bedard. It's well, it's weird. you're in a less likely position for sure. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, okay. This guy uh, Matt S messaged in and he said fans are angry because the flyers constantly refuse to fully rebuild continue to try perpetual retools fans would be very willing to undertake an ottawa senators model if the team was transparent bullshit matt they wouldn't they wouldn't be willing to do that ottawa has not been good since they lost to since chris kunitz won that game in double overtime 2017 yeah in in the conference final and they traded off some pieces and I mean, you're looking at nine years, and there's no guarantee that they're making the playoffs this year. They're, are they better? I think so. Um, you know, I look at their situation, and I look at their situation in goal. I look at their situation, you know, adding Giroux, and they've got some good young pieces, and Stutzla, and Shabbat, and all that. But they haven't won shit all yet. So, look, I get, you know, maybe, Matt, you would be, okay with them doing that but i will tell you that the masses will not again a rebuild is easy to wish for but it is hard as hell to live (laughs) and i mean that will take years off i mean think about something like the sixers did the process here at and they purposely fielded a, a roster that would lose for four years think about what it's like from your freshman year of high school ninth grade through when you graduate Imagine not having a basketball team that was capable of winning more than 12 games a year for those four years, what that does to your fandom. Well, you know what I mean? Well, and then one thing, and they haven't gotten past the second round. Well, one thing I would say that I agree with with Matt S is the transparent part. I think that that was the only thing about the Flyers front office this summer, or one of the things that I took issue with because. Up until free agency, everybody thought that they were going hard for this guy. Like, I think just like a simple. That's the Flyers way too. like Fridge even admitted. He goes, I had people telling me they had no, they weren't going to go that way because they were 40 points out of a playoff spot. He goes, but I didn't believe it because it's the Flyers and they, their DNA has never been that. And, you know, I had people like I was talking to someone on the phone with the Flyers like it was the day before the draft. And that's when all the Debrinket rumors were really like Mm -hmm. ramping up. And he laughed and he was just like, look, like, I don't know what to tell you. The media has got this really wrong. Like we need so many things right now that that's not something that we could get involved with. They like Goudreau. They wanted Goudreau, but they realized that, okay, so you're going to got your assets to clear JVR, then sign Goudreau, and then what? Like, a better team for sure, but how much better? Goudreau is a, a player that, like, I mean, Columbus, I think, is a bit of a unique situation because of how many players have left there. I think a way of bringing in a Goudreau was a way to kind of re-legitimize that market. And the thing is, is that I think Columbus is in a position where they could get back on track faster than the Flyers. 
because mm-hmm. of some of the stars they have on that roster. Like they have legitimate star power on that roster. Yeah. Good row and line A. Yeah. And, and look, I, I agree with the messaging and the transparency part, Matt, you're a hundred percent right on that, but I don't think people would be able to stomach that because you read the comments to any lineup that Charlie O'Connor or Bill Meltzer posts on their Twitter feed from practice. And all people do is openly mock how bad it's been. We know now that it is a rebuild. We know now that they're the main part about this season is getting back to basics. Like in my piece that released yesterday, I sat down with Danny Breer to discuss it. And he mentioned something along the lines of just developing some good habits and getting body language better. Like he talked about body language. Like that is like as basic of something that you could get back to. We know that that's where they're going now, but people are still mocking how bad the roster is. If Chuck Fletcher had come out and said, we're rebuilding here and maybe gone farther in that direction and traded Konechny and Lawton and what I had just outlined, this would be a worse roster. So how do you think people would react to Owen Tippett and JVR being on the top line? How would people react to, you know, Nick Sealer and Justin Braun being your second pair? Because that's what you would get if you went into an Ottawa, Arizona rebuild. Yeah, I, I I get the transparency thing, but the rest I don't agree with. So Matt continues and says, I'd argue that in the last 10 years were hard to live. They were, no doubt. Um, he said, we continue on this approach of being scared to commit to what is truly needed to acquire high-end talent. If Well, they had an opportunity for high-end talent in 2017, but the player they drafted turned out to be a mutt in Nolan Patrick. Yeah. He said, if original six teams like Chicago and Montreal can do it, dot, dot, dot. Now, okay. There's a big difference there. Chicago won three cups in 10, 13, and 15. So you get a lot more latitude. Fan base will give you a lot more latitude when you've done that in the last decade. No doubt about it. And they have uh, also run their course pretty close with Taves and Kane and Seabrook and obviously Duncan Keith. Those guys no longer there. So they're in a different situation. Montreal, are they just uh, are they just taking it up there in Montreal right now? Or are they just happy that Marty St. Louis is the coach? And I mean, they went to a cup out of the blue on the back of Carey Price and caught lightning in a bottle under Dom Ducharme. But since then, it's just been, you know, an absolute nosedive. But they haven't done anything in the past decade. But they're also in a different situation. Shea Weber, unable to play ever again. Yeah, like. I've been trading now. The difference is, is that like they're not doing it full scorched earth. That's what you know. Like Chicago yes, might can't use Chicago, yes, but Montreal yeah. people are more accepting of it because they already have like tangible stars on their roster. Suzuki, who, Suzuki Caulfield. You know, you inherit a guy like Josh Anderson who has worked well with those two. And, you know, Ken Hughes and Jeff, and I love what they've been doing. I really like, okay, it's only, what, 10 months on the job or whatnot. But it's not like they inherited a roster that was just like, you know, the Montreal Canadiens of yesteryear, like with Pacioretty and, you know, all these guys that, like, Mark Bergevin moved out. Because a lot of those guys, David DeArnais, Mark Bergevin did make some half-decent moves on the way out. 
he made some really bad moves, but you know, he acquired Nick Suzuki for Max Pacioretty. He drafted Cole Caulfield. He signed Josh Anderson. You know, that's their top line. So it's allowed Ken Hughes to kind of use other assets to be expendable, you know, take a flyer on a guy like Kirby Doc. Like that, I think, was a very shrewd move. It puts them in a position to draft a Uri Slavkowski. He brings in a Mike Matheson to kind of be the veteran guy on that defensive blue line. So, I mean, I think that it's not exactly apples to apples because Hughes and Gordon inherited a team that already had pretty much their top line set. And to be honest, you know, Suzuki, Caulfield, maybe not Anderson, but Suzuki and Caulfield are going to be your top line players for probably the next decade. And that's a hell of a place to start with when you're starting like a rebuild. Yeah. Um, last thing from Matt, he said three cups because they had an elite core that put themselves in a spot to draft. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks for your time. It's a rough patch for our team. You know, the okay. funny thing about that is the coin toss is different in 2010. And the Flyers have Patrick Kane because they win the coin toss. And the Blackhawks have James Van Riemsdyk is the result of that cup different. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the crazy... That, that's like the thing there. I mean, literally a fucking coin toss, yeah. right? I mean, come on. No, and, uh, I, and look, I agree. I agree. But like the thing is, is that when they went through their rebuild and Pittsburgh went through their rebuild and Boston in the early 2000s, like, look, I was, you know, I was like, what, eight, nine, 10 years old at that time. So I can't mm-hmm. properly remember it, but you could speak to it better. Was like the draft lottery not more geared for the bad teams to get the oh, top? It was rated way, yeah, way more. So, like, it was more of a sure thing if you were that bad for that long. So, I mean, that's why you've seen teams that have tried full-scorch rebuilds, like the Coyotes, like the Sabres, why it took Edmonton so many first-round pick, first overall picks to finally get it fucking right. That's why you've seen it that way post-lockout or even post-2013 lockout. Because it is not as much of a sure thing. I think that the better way to do it and look this is a hell of a model to you know put yourself after but i think the way that the los angeles kings did it is the way that the flyers have to i think that's the way you got to do it and look they were in a different position because you had a superstar defenseman uh, drew doughty to build around you had a superstar center in anze kopitar to build around so they're kind of starting ahead of the eight ball but i mean if katori could ever get healthy let's say and Provrov may get his game back on track. They're not as good as the Kopitar Doughties, but maybe you're not as far off as you once thought, maybe mm-hmm. right now, for instance. I think that's the way that you kind of have to model yourself after. I agree. Absolutely. All right, Ant, that's going to wrap it. Great stuff today. A lot to talk about. Appreciate everybody chiming in uh, on the message board as well. Yep. And uh, we'll crank it up again next week. We'll crank it up tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have Russ Cohen on for a little Eastern Conference preview. Friday we'll have... Anthony Sam Filippo on the program as well. So That's everybody, a hell of a lineup. yeah, look at that. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Leave us a five star rating and review. We'll talk to you next time on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Thanks, Ant. There it is. There he is, Ant. And let me tell everybody about Bet Parks and about Conquerville Subaru because it's about time you get on the Bet Parks app. Oh, what a great time! College and pro football. You've got baseball playoffs. You've got the hockey season underway tonight. You've got tons to gamble on. F1, four remaining races. 
Tons to get in on. Next one, actually, in uh, Texas, in Austin, the Circuit of the Americas. It's the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. It's fantastic. And take it from me, it's everything you want in a mobile casino and a sportsbook. It's right in the palm of your hand. Easy to use, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. And right now, new and existing users use the promo code JASON750. That'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. Uh, terms and conditions do apply. Again, JASON750 is the code. So download the New Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, special thanks to you. Conquerville Subaru, great dealership, great people. Conquerville cares, not just the saying. They do great work in the community, have been for a long time. The nation's first Subaru Love Promise dealer of the award winner back in 2015. They continue their work at Nemours Children's Hospital, at La Comunidad at España, and Kennedy Square, providing coats, the Marcus Hook Elementary School. They just keep going with the great work they do, and it's a great time to visit the beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills there. You can check out all the certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles, and you're going to love it. It's a great dealership, great service department where you get a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com online. Check out the showroom again on Route 202 in Glen Mills, and always remember Conquerville Cares. We'll be back tomorrow, Episode 4. Uh, Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy the hockey tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Stick to Hockey Live. Walk away.